Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast, a place where people are sharing their stories of how God has brought them life and freedom through Jesus. Today, Sarah shares her story. Sarah grew up in a Christian household, regularly attending church and hearing the truths from the Bible from an early age. She enjoyed some of the richness of following Jesus, but also had conflicting experiences of shame and guilt. She learned to live a double life in which she hid her sin, keeping her friends at an arm's length. It was really interesting to hear what, or who, God used as a catalyst to show her the value of transparency and the freedom of confession in Christ. I have a feeling after this, you're going to want to go listen to her husband's story, Tim, in episode 23. I hope you're encouraged by Sarah's story. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, So let's just start out at the beginning. That's where all good stories start. Um, So tell me a little bit about what life was like when you were little, um, your religious environment, the things you thought about God. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up. In a, in a Christian family, we went to church all the time. We were there Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesdays. Um, I think there was like a period in like first or second grade that we might have stepped away, but pretty much the rest of my entire um, childhood, um, I have a lot of memories at church. My mom sung in the choir or played the organ. My dad was a deacon or was an usher. I sat with my grandparents in the back of the church. Um because they had their seats. And um, so, you know, I I just, I grew up in church. Where in the country did you grow up? Oh, I grew up here in Columbia. Yeah, oh, you I did? Grew up I didn't know that. Uh-huh. What church yeah. did you go to? I went to Parkade. Um, okay. Parkade Baptist Church. Somehow I had missed that all yeah. along. Yep, I grew up right here in town. Okay. Um, so my family's still here. They still attend over there. Um, but so I grew up there and I, you know, I have you know, my earliest thoughts about God. I, I went to vacation Bible school. I remember memorizing verses and hearing many of the stories. Um, but one of the first things that I can recall really resonating with me in my heart is like, I remember being in, I think it was fourth grade and a friend of mine from church, um, we were in children's church and they were like, she's, uh, Emily's being baptized today. And I was like, what? Why is she getting to get baptized and not me? I'm at church more. I know more of the stories and I know more. I memorize more verses than her. Why is she getting to be baptized? Um, they didn't really walk us through what it was about. Not that I remember, at least. Um, they could have um, done that, but um, I don't remember that. And uh, But I just remember being really jealous because I thought she was picked mm. to be baptized. Um, and... That was third grade. And so that spring, I remember going to a Carmen concert. If you remember Carmen. I do, yeah. He came to town several times when, when uh-huh. I was younger. and um, But he came and he was at the Hearn Center. And I remember going to this Carmen concert and hearing the gospel and like this knot in my stomach. Like, I remember them like telling this, you know, you know, the gospel and like, you know, you're a sinner and you're separated from, from God and that Jesus is the one who's paid that price and is, you know, he wants to forgive your sins. You just have to accept him. Um, but my mom had gone to the bathroom and I was in third grade. And so I was like, I can't, this is a big auditorium. Like I can't, I can't leave. Like she would never know where I went. Um, and like so, they had a call. They had an altar call. Altar yes. Call. Yeah. Come down to the front. You know, there's people, there's pastors and people who will talk to you. And I just remember like, I need to go. That's me. Like I need to go. But 
I couldn't, you know, my mom was in the bathroom. (laughs) Um, And so she came back and I, I just remember whispering to her, I was probably yelling because it was so loud in there, but like, I, I wanted to go down, but, um, but I couldn't cause you were gone. And, um, but nothing ever went for anywhere from there. Like hmm. we never had further conversations that I can remember. Um, it would just kind of ended there, but that knot in my stomach, like I just remember being in, in different services, hearing the sermons or hearing different stories and just that knot wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew at the end, like every time they would do an altar call or they would do some kind of, um, invitation. Like I just knew like I was like, that was me. They were talking to me. Um, so at that point you, you kind of agreed with what they were saying, but you weren't quite willing to take a step. Right. And I didn't, I don't think I really knew what those steps were. Right. Um, or who, who to talk to about what I was feeling, or Mm -hmm. I just knew they were talking to me and I was a little rule follower. So you don't get up and walk in church. Like you don't get up and like without getting permission. I, you know, I Mm -hmm. feel like that was part of my thinking. I don't know. Um, but I remember once I got to fourth grade, um, a couple of my friends, they were like, well, actually we're going to be baptized. And I was like, Hey, this is my time. I can get in on it this time. Um, and so I don't know that I connected the dots really well, but, um, at the time, but I remember like, like, we kind of formulated this plan that at the end of this sermon, um, on, I remember the date even cause it's my mom's birthday, December 15th, 1996. Um, we had coordinated, it was the date of our Christmas cantata. We were going to go forward. And so we all got together and we, we went forward and said, Hey, we want to become Christians. We want to be baptized. And so, um, at that point, my mom was like, okay, let's, um, let's go meet with a pastor. Like, let's sit down and have a more formal conversation. And so I remember going over to my pastor's house and him kind of walking me through, like, do I really understand what it means to be a Christian, to ask God for, for forgiveness of my sins? And, and I knew like, this is something that had been in my, like building in my mind. Um, I knew that I was a sinner and I was, um, distant from God, but I needed Jesus to fill that, that spot. Um, and so on Christmas Eve, I was baptized of that year. And, uh, you know, I, I knew like I was saved. I wasn't going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so excited. I remember coming back from Christmas break and like, what did you do over Christmas break? And me raising my hand really eagerly. Like I was baptized and I was so excited to tell everybody in my classroom. And I don't think anybody else was excited for me, but I was pumped. Mm-hmm. Like I got baptized over Christmas and, um, but at that point, it became very legalistic in my mind. Um, like I remember going to a New Year's Eve party right after I got baptized, and we had um, at, we were trying to go outside, and and the door um, had an alarm on it, and it set off the alarm when we tried to go out, and we just ran. And I remember being at home with my mom once we were done with that, and I was like, "Mom, I broke a rule. I got in trouble. Am I still saved?" It was very much like I had to be perfect. I had to be good. And all I, all I really, like I understood that God, um, had forgiven me of my sins, but I didn't, I didn't, I was missing still something. And I remember going to camp. Um, I went to camp every year, every summer, um, after third grade. And I remember going to camp. Um, I think it was after f- fifth grade. And, um, during one of the evening chapels, like if they were just talking about having a relationship with God and it just really hit me. Like, that's what I was missing. That being a Christian was more than just having your sins forgiven. It was having a relationship with Jesus and when, and, you know, being in the word and knowing his word. Um, and we don't just memorize it to be a good person, but to have a relationship and, um, to grow in that and for God to um, make us more holy. And so 
Um, I wouldn't have known those words like back in the day, but that was like understanding. And I just remember coming home from camp that summer and being like, mom, dad, guess what? Um, I called it like rededicating my life and, and you know, that's what they called it at church camp. And so, uh, and I don't, I don't know that it was like this rededication, but it was like this commitment in a new way. Kind of like um, a reawakening. Right. Or a new right. Awakening. Um, and probably just an awakening of a new, new side of what it meant to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like seeing a bigger picture of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. It was more than just being the same from hell. Um, but what are you, what is the life that you're saved to? And so that, like, I would say like those two events were the major parts of me coming to a full knowledge of, of Christ. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that's what I grew up in. I went to camp every summer. Mm -hmm. I, you know, lived that out. Um, so your foundation, as a person and as a believer was pretty thick. Yeah, I think, I mean, at home, um, we didn't always talk about things. Like it was like the example given to us was going to church. And uh, my mom has always led and taught Bible studies. Um, but I don't know how much we we always um, talked. Like it wasn't like, hey, let's sit down and, and talk through things um, a lot. So it was a lot of church was that foundation. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that was like the gap sometimes. Um, like not exactly seeing where the intersection of faith and life. Right. Yeah. And I think that led to this idea that um, I had to still be good enough in some ways um, because it was what did I show the world around me because mm-hmm. I that faith in life, I knew I needed a relationship. I knew I needed to be at church. I knew I needed to be in have good friends that were pointing me back to Jesus. But um, how do I live that out on every day? Mm-hmm. Um I feel like a lot of ways I had to figure that out. Right. Um, and so that kind of led, when I got to middle school and high school, led to some like hard times for me figuring things out. I was, I've always been a people person. I love people. I, I'm an extrovert. Um, I really don't like spending a lot of time um, by myself. But I just remember being in, once I left elementary school, being in middle school and high school, really struggling to have friends, um, friends that were more than just, um, acquaintances and classes. Um, even like in middle school and junior high, um, and going to lunch was really hard cause I didn't know who I'd sit with. I didn't have people to walk around in the morning and talk to. Um, and so that was just really hard. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had people that I connected to. And so my freshman year of high school, I, there was a guy from youth group who, um, was older than me, but he showed interest in me. And, and that just like was this huge thing. I was like, I've got somebody who, who actually is interested in, in me. And, um, and at the time, like I was just this exciting thing. Um, and we dated from freshman year, uh, through high school, but somewhere in there, um, like I had this idea like, oh, he's, he's a believer. He goes to church with me. We're going to get married, of course. Um, and so when he started to ask me to do things physically that I wasn't comfortable with, I, I knew I wasn't comfortable with him, but he kind of would, I mean, press, but I just, I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to upset him. Um, not upset in a bad way, but like, I didn't want to like lose what, what I had found in this relationship because I just didn't have a lot of depth of, friend, of relationships and he like actually got to know me. And so, and so, you know, that would continue. And I just felt a lot of shame 
in that. And so this life lived out, you know, your faith lived out through your life. I started really kind of like this double life of sorts where I would, I felt a lot of shame about what we were doing. Um, and yet out in the outward appearance, like I had to, I couldn't let anybody know I had to be this good girl, a good Christian girl who had the right friends and had to, you know, I was always still, you know, at church doing the right things. I knew what to do. But at times like that shame would rise up and I would come to him and say like, I, you know, we can't do this. This, you know, he, I remember him coming back and saying like, well, then we can't be together. Mm. You know, we'd, we'd have to break up if you can't. And he would say like, well, we're not having sex or we're not doing this. So it's okay. And like, I would remember thinking like, well, he is a little older than me and he does look, he like, he's a Christian. So it must be okay. And there just must be something that I'm not understanding. And then he would say, if I would push it, he'd like, well, then we just had to break up. And so I just remember like really fighting with that. And the more that went on, um, the more I would dive into that and really try and hide the shame and hide the darkness in my mind. And that was really hard for, as a high schooler. And I feel like that really pushed me away from what friends I kind of did have at church um, because most of my friends were at church. But I, I would put up this facade of like everything was fine and, um, and not really uh, be open about what was going on. I didn't have like mentors in my life that would ask like, so how's your relationship? Or, and we wouldn't really hang out outside of like youth group time and with other people. Um, a lot of things that, you know, I would encourage young people today, like we just didn't do that. And so my life just really was all in this, this guy and it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And I just was eating away at, at me on the inside, but uh, I got to my senior year of high school. So we'd been together for a little while and he had gone away to college at that point. And he, while he was at college, met a new girl and he broke up with me and I was devastated Yeah, because my life had really been, I had like youth group friends, but I didn't really dive in. I sunk so much of my time. Every night was on the phone with him. Mm. Every time he was home, my, I spent all my time there. I would go up and visit him at school. That was my life. And so I didn't have a lot of people that really knew me well. And so that was just really hard. I was like, I was just, I was, it was, it was the end of my life. I felt like, um, I just remember being, um, at that point I, I would just spend all this time I, and I did dive into God. Like I would pray and pray and journal and journal, but it was always like my cry out to God. Um, I wouldn't, didn't spend a lot of time letting God comfort me. It was just like, I know that this is, I need to go to God. I don't have anybody else to go to. And I, I even remember like praying for this girl because she was my enemy and like pray for your enemies, of course. And so like, um, even though she, she wasn't, but I, I, I did, I just prayed for, for her and I, um, hoped that he and I would be able to get back together. Um, really focused a lot of my attention on that, but I still didn't, I didn't open up. I didn't share with anybody what was really going on. I just, um, struggled internally. Nobody sought me out really and said like, Hey, you just went through this. Not mm -hmm. that I remember. So yeah. at that point, did you still have a lot of shame? So it was sadness over a broken relationship yeah. and shame together? For sure. For sure. And that's why like, I couldn't mm -hmm. let anybody know what had happened or that I, you know, it was just like, well, of course I want this relationship back, but I wouldn't tell people what, what had happened. I didn't feel like I could. It was, it was something you don't talk about. Um, that was my dark shame. And, um, I wanted to, 
yeah, I don't even know who I would have told. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really right. have anyone. But I remember just spending a lot of time um, journaling and memorizing Christian song lyrics and letting those be my style for my heart. But I think I really wanted that relationship back because that was the only person that I felt really knew me and wanted to know me and know my heart. And because like I knew, well, that's the only person that, you know, like I've done these things. And so that should, he should be the one I, I should be with. But, you know, we, it, we didn't get back together, but I always, I wanted to, and, but I went away to college after senior year. I went for my own reasons, but I did go to the same school that he went to, which was uh, interesting um, getting there um, and making my own life uh, apart from him. I would see him on campus and just, you know, go my separate ways. Um, but I made my own friends and I went to a Christian college um, in Hannibal. I went to Hannibal LaGrange College and it was a wonderful decision that I did. And this was kind of like the first time that I started to let people into my life a little bit because like you live on a floor of all girls and, you know, we would have Bible studies and we would, but I had learned how to tell people what was going on in my life without actually telling them what was really going on in my life. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That duplicity that I had learned um, while dating this guy, keeping my shame in the darkness, keeping my sin hidden, but learning how to like, if somebody's asking like, what's going on in your life? I could say like, oh, well, I'm really struggling. I'm, you know, this guy that I dated, I really wish that I could, you know, get back together. Or I'm, you know, God's really working this out in my heart to get over him. But I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't tell them why, why I was so tied to him, why I felt like the shame or whatever. But I did have more people who would press me. Um, and I found that like the people who would press, uh, you know, like, well, what's going on? I really started to put up these big walls um, and really fight against, you know, like not wanting to, to be known in that way. I wanted you to know, I wanted friends um, and I wanted to be there, but I didn't want people to actually know me. I don't know whether it was I didn't feel good enough or I didn't feel like worthy of being known. I didn't want them to run away for sure because if they knew what I'd done or what, um, like my heart in ways, like all the darkness that I felt inside, then they wouldn't want to be around me. So you're fearful of rejection? Oh, for sure. But no, I don't think anybody would have been able to tell that. I just... I love friends. I'd make new friends and people would approach me on campus to do different things because I was so good with people. And I was really good at keeping surface relationships broadly. And so I would know pretty much everybody on campus and they may even feel like they knew me pretty well, but I pretty, I kept it pretty easy for people to only know me so well. I would control what was told. I had a couple of people who, like I said, would push in and they are still the people who I talk to, Mm. but you know, I just kept it pretty shallow. But during this time, um, God really kind of brought me out of that pit with the guy. I didn't want to go back to that relationship anymore. But I, I kind of, I wanted to fill that spot um, of like a relationship, but I was scared um, of being known. And so I got, I became a really good flirt on, on campus and somewhere in my identity, I, um, wrapped it up in how many guys I could, at any one point I could tell you liked me or that I could get their attention. I would never uh, let it go too far. 
But if I had like two or three guys that I could tell you, oh yeah, he likes me and he likes me. And I could probably get that guy over there to like me too. Um, I just, there was some pride in that of like being the kind of girl that a guy would want. Mm-hmm. But there, there was the shame of like, well, that I, they, I don't actually want them to get too close. And I, I don't think I saw that in my heart at the time. I just, I would throw up walls. Right. If somebody now were you just having fun with it? Was that kind of part of it? Like, just, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and at the time, like, it was fun. I'm just in college. I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, like, ready to get married by any means. Like, I right. wanted to get married. And so, yeah. and in the Christian college environment of, like, I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. people get married in, in college. And I, um, I didn't want to get married then. But I wanted to find the kind of guy that, um, and so I never really felt like I found the kind of guy that would pursue me the way I wanted or needed to be. Mm-hmm. But... I wanted to keep the doors open. Yeah. Um, and so I had fun with that. Um, and I didn't always feel like I was flirting, but other people would point out, like, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> I, um, I, by the time I graduated, I kind of pulled myself back and reined in some of those things. I just, I just thought it was fun. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just getting to know people. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, I, I hurt anyone. I think if anything, I'm hurting myself a lot through that process of, just keeping everybody at an arm's length. Right. There was a point, um, my second year college, I graduated in three years. So my second year, I had realized that I had been carrying around this weight of this guy. And like the, my roommate at the time, she's like, you know, you really just need to like give up this. And like, she was really wonderful and like encouraging me in this and pointing me to, to Jesus. And like, he's not, he's not the kind of guy you want. He's not, that's not the kind of relationship that you want. And, um, in youth group, we had been given these, I remember like right after we'd broken up senior year and youth group, we were all given this rock that we were supposed to like, um, like the rock that you would throw like in Jesus's, um, whoever has, has not sinned be the first one to cast a stone and like everybody sits down their rock and, um, everybody was given their rock, their sin and everybody's supposed to sit down their rock. And I remember in, in high school thinking, I'm not ready to give up this sin. I'm not like in my head, like I haven't processed through this. Not that I'm not ready to give it up. Um, and in my head, this rock was, was this relationship was, um, what we had done, all this shame. And, um, I had, so I said, I, I said, I need to spend more time than what you're allowing here at this youth retreat to really process through this. Um, and I took that rock and I put it in my purse. And my second year of college, I switched purses and I found this rock. And I remember sitting down with my roommate at the time and her just like, she and I just kind of talking through. And I was like, I've been carrying around this rock, a literal weight around with me mm-hmm. for the last two years, um, physically carrying around this burden. And like that, I really feel like was the most freeing moment. Like mm-hmm. I took that rock and I remember going out to the banks of the Mississippi River, um, which is close to our campus, um, and just that was probably the most freeing. I went to God and I said, God, forgive me for what we've done and help me to get over this guy. Yeah. Um, and I ch- took that rock and I chucked it as far as I could into the Mississippi River. And it wasn't as far as I was hoping. I was wanting it to go like all the way to the other side <laughs> to Illinois. But um, I think it may have just passed the banks. Um, but I got rid of it. And it was like the most freeing. It was like a physical representation of the weight that I had been carrying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the most freeing moment with that shame that I had been carrying but I had trained myself so much up to that point of to hide, to like to bury what I um, knew. I didn't live out, you know, my 
my struggle. So that one person, my roommate, um, there's two other girls, so probably three girls all together who knew my story, who knew what had happened. And they were really instrumental in helping me find that place, that freedom um, from that shame. But even like coming here today, I didn't want to tell the story. Like it's still something that like that part of me, I struggle with like, why did I make those decisions? Why did I get in that place? And it's just something Satan even now can still use. But I try and continue to bring it to light to see that, you know, because I know I can remember back to that freedom that I felt sitting there chucking that rock and what God brought to my life. Like it was, it was over. It was done and I can move forward. Yeah. And that was huge. But when I went to, after I graduated college, I graduated college in 2008. Um, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I worked with the church out there raising my own support in the midst of a recession. It was like a horrible idea. Um, it only lasted a year, but while I was out there, I got connected with, um, some really awesome believers, really great church. Um, and just some people that really loved me well, it was a really healing time for me. Um, but I didn't get, I never got into like really deep stuff. I had learned to really live in the shallow, um, that it was a whole lot easier to, to just live in the good than always to, to die, bring up what is hard. And that's something like I still struggle with a lot. Um, I'm like, if everything's good, why get into like, to the bad, like to the hard stuff to bring it up and make things hard. And, but I had these amazing friends, these amazing believers that I lived with and, um, communed with on a regular basis. We would get together for, for all different kinds of things. Um, I had some people in my life who were very intentional about asking hard questions. And I feel like I just got really good about answering them a way that was good. That would satisfy the yeah. requirements so yeah. they wouldn't dig deeper. Um, and so, yeah. And it's so sad because like what co- growth could have come from those times. And I mean, growth did come. Like, I don't want to deny that. Like God really used these amazing people to further my faith and my trust in God. And, um, if I were to go back to my journals in those days, maybe I should have done that leading up to today. But, um, like there, there's rich time. I learned to study scripture and I learned to, and to be in the word and to memorize his word and to really, um, to let it soak into my life. But I feel like there was always this like bedrock um, of my heart that I had built that I could only let it go so far. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a not wanting to be known mm-hmm. or was it not wanting to trust God with your future? I think, you know, looking back on it now and, and even how I still struggle with it, I think it's like I'd I i do not I didn't want to trust. I didn't feel comf- safe to trust God with, um, what might come up, what people might find out. Um, and cause even now, like in the way that I would feel like I struggle with, with this currently is like, I don't know what's going to be unearthed. Um, like I'm not as, as much as I would love to be, I'm not an, uh, an introspective person. So I, and I don't know that I really want to be, but I'm not a very interested. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about like, why I do the things that I do or what. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, as I was thinking about my life, I kept, can point it back to this incident in high school where I really divided my life um, and didn't really let people in. I wanted to keep things in the darkness and live in the light. Um, And, and even after I found freedom from that, I feel like I just, I created this pattern that I just, 
I don't, I don't want to dive into that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's down there and I don't, I don't feel safe bringing it up. Yeah. Um, looking back on things, I can see that overarching thing happening yeah. and where I lived in fear. Um, but I wouldn't have known that at the time. It was a, like the best time in my life in Cleveland. Yeah. So looking past that, I'm curious when you met your husband, Timothy. So um, so after I, I went to grad school, I was out in Ohio. And after grad school, I moved to Texas. I was done with the snow and I moved to someplace warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was in Texas, um, I worked as a hall director at a college and I'd been there for a little while. You know, I'd kind of slid back into a lot of the like hiding during graduate school. Graduate school, I kind of had, um, I was around a lot of people who weren't believers um, and a lot of thoughts that were counter Christian. Um, I went to a state university out there. And um, and so I became really upset and frustrated with my Christian upbringing. Like we don't always do things right. We're not open enough. We're not this or that. And so I had kind of pulled away from a lot of my Christian friends and I moved to Texas and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have a church I was a part of. I didn't know a lot of people. I was very lonely, um, on, on a whole. And I just, I had like a couple of friends that I worked with, but I just didn't, um, it was, it was a really hard season. And so this guy shows up in my, my residence hall one night and, um, he, he uh, says, hey, we should talk sometime. And he had just graduated, and I thought, okay, I don't want to I'm, – I'm staying away from guys. I'm not dating, and I don't want anybody to think I was dating a student. I know you just graduated, but – and um, he's like, well, let's just get together. I said, you can come to my office hours. And so um, he actually showed up to my office hours, and there was another student in there, and, like, the three of us talked for a while – and after this other student left, he goes, okay, can we really go talk somewhere now? And um, I was like, sure. So we ended up at Panera. Um, and for whatever reason, I sat down um, at Panera with this guy, Timothy, and I told him my whole story. I told him about the guys that I had toyed with in the past, flirted with, but never really wanted it to go anywhere. I told him about uh, my time in Cleveland and how I had distanced myself from from church and how at the time I just really didn't know if Christianity was, like I knew it was real, but is it for, you know, like how does it apply to my everyday life? I just didn't know. Um, and he just looked at me dead straight in the eyes. And he says, do you realize that what you do with your relationship with guys is what you do with your relationship with God? Mm. And he meant that I keep God at an arm's length because that's, I mean, I, like I said, I was toying with these guys' hearts and keeping everybody at distance. And I was undone. I just was tears in this Panera um, bawling because he was the first person that had just pointed out this, like, like my soul, it felt like, that he had seen this part of me that I hadn't seen, that he, he, he showed me, revealed to me this pattern that I didn't know, but that had kept me from really experiencing God's uh, true love, like the depth of it. Like, I knew about it, but I just had been keeping him afraid of what he might see. 
um, I wanted to be good enough. So I have to keep you f- at least a little bit away. Um, cause if you really knew, um, you wouldn't, wouldn't actually love me. You wouldn't want me. And I just bawled in this Panera. And, um, I was like, you don't even know me. How could you do this? He's like, I just felt like God just wanted me to tell you that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who are you? Um, and we were driving back to campus and he just looks at me because I don't think you understand unconditional love. I was like, what? Like, I know God's love is unconditional. My parents' love is unconditional. He says, you may know about it, but you don't, you don't understand. You don't live out of a place of being loved unconditionally. And I was like, who are you? Like, (laughs) he goes, I'm, I'm making a commitment to, I'm going to show you unconditional love. And it, it wasn't from like, hey, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to do any of this. Like, it was just like, you deserve as a person, as a sister in Christ to know God's unconditional love. And I'm going to show that to you. And I just was floored. I'm like, who, who is this person that would say that would see this in me with me just barely telling you in like an hour of my story, maybe probably less time than that. And like, then commit to this. Like, do you know what you're doing? You don't barely know me. And at the time he was planning to go off to Japan. So I'm like, okay, like, I, you can say this, but, um, how much are you really going to get into? Um, but we stood there in the lobby for a couple of more hours, just talking. And I just was so intrigued by this guy who would commit to this, that we talked for every night after that. Um, and it was so intriguing. We started dating and he would, we would get in fights and he would just, he wouldn't respond. He wouldn't rise to my fights and he would like, I love you. God loves you. And I was like, what? Fight with me here. Come on. Um, and he would just he'd be patient and he would just hear my past and he would, he would listen and he would hear and understand. And, and I just was like, who is this guy? And he's not perfect by any means, but he was so consistent for the most part in showing me this faithfulness and pointing it back to God. As God, like, I'm, I'm loving you because God's loved me and this is how God loves. And I was just overwhelmed by this person's love. Um, that he, like, and he showed me God's love and it was a way that I never knew. I remember calling my mom and saying, like, this guy, um, and I told her, I was like, he's showing me, he's like teaching me unconditional love of like that I've never known before. Mm-hmm. And, um, I felt so bad later. I was like, wait, I don't mean that you didn't love me. I just mean like, I just, I've never experienced like God's love in this way. I've never seen it, but I was just amazed. And I feel like he does that regularly. Even now, like today, I'm like, I'm nervous to go and tell my story. He's like, you know what? This is God's story. This isn't your story. You know, he's always pointing me back. Um, and he's reminding me, of, of the gospel and all of this. He, he does a really great job of helping me to live in the light. Just like I did that day and I threw the rock into the, into the river, like, and found freedom in that. Like, he just leads me in a path to that. Um, so like we've gotten in fights before, um, like not pretty. I'm not proud of them. And he's like, we need to go meet with, with this other couple and go walk through this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like nobody can know. And I'm like dragging my feet like a toddler. No, no one can see my ugliness. I'm embarrassed to tell anybody the way that I behave. And he's like, you know what? It's really good. We need other people to speak into our life right now. Mm. And I'm like, and it's always been so good when we've done it. We met with the Groves um, when we were in their MC. And like, they just, 
you know what? This was sin and this was sin. You sinned against her. He sinned against you. But there's, but Jesus. And they always have points back. And like we've done it with the lasses on a number of occasions um, where we've just, we lived with them and Timothy would be like, Joseph, come downstairs. And I'm like, no, 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 what are you doing? And I hated it. But he is consistently led in that way. Even before we moved to Missouri, um, our church in Texas, I remember we got in a, in a it sounds like we fight all the time, but we got in an, in an argument in our first year of marriage and um, he called up the pastor and like, I'm like, are you serious? What are you doing? And he's just always lived in this way of like, we don't hide our sin. We don't hide our problems. And I've learned like, the good in that um, to where now like I seek that out because I know the good in that. And in my my fight club part of MC um, where we get together and we fight sin, I've had to tell them and probably not always in the most forthright and saying like, hey guys, I, I, I'm really good at hiding my sin. Mm. Um, and it's not, I like I never want to tell them, but it's something that I've learned is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like, hey, I will put up a, hey, this is the way it is. Like I'm going to tell you probably surface level, but press me. Um, and I will probably fight you in that. And especially when I don't want to, to be revealed. Um, but I found that that's what's most helpful because it, there is so much freedom in working through that. And I hate it. I hate it. I will every day choose the surface easy over digging deeper because I, I feel like even now, like I don't know what's, what's there. And I struggle to trust that God is going to be there to hold me and to walk me through it. I, I struggle with that, mm-hmm. but I know, I know the truth and I've learned to see the community around me or I've seen through them that like that God's body is strong when, when we let him move and thus be the hands and his hands and feet. They hold me together. They can point me back to Jesus. Um, they can point me back to that God has saved me and he is saving me and he will save me. And just the goodness of that. And I forget so often, I forget that I'm being held along the way. So many people are going to resonate with this because we can have experienced forgiveness and freedom mm-hmm. in Jesus and and confessed our big yeah. things that we've done mm-hmm. or been a part of. Um, but to dig deep into those idols yeah. that are deep, the dark basements that we've put double locks on mm-hmm. that we don't want anyone to know about. Yeah. Um, that that's hard to share. Yeah. Um, like you said, we don't even want to be aware of them mm-hmm. sometimes. And I can relate a lot with what, what you've said. Um, yeah. cause it's just really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. It's uncomfortable, but I think what's so beautiful about it is that you are, experiencing greater richness Mm -hmm. in knowing Jesus by doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that is what we miss out on when we don't let those things come to the surface. Yeah. I feel like I know, um, like, I feel like each step of my journey, I've let people go a little deeper in knowing me. And in each of those seasons, I've seen God, God's strength either through people or through his word and like in holding me up. It doesn't mean that it's always sunk in and that I can always stand on that, um, that knowledge and that experience, but um, it's true. And I I can look back at those um, Ebenezer's in my life, those moments where um, God has um, stood up to my testing him. Um, But 
it doesn't, it doesn't make it easier, but I can look back and watch mm-hmm. as he has continued to seek me out and consent consistently called me deeper. I just haven't always wanted to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared all that. The last question that I end every podcast with yeah. is why are you glad you followed Jesus today? Yeah. Um, so I've spent a lot of um, episodes thinking about this. And the thing, like every time I'm like driving, listening to podcasts, the thing that kept coming to my mind was people. Why am I happy or why am I glad that I'm a follower of Christ is the people that God has surrounded me with, um, his body. It's like, really, like, is that the thing I'm really so glad about? And the more I process, the more I thought through this, like, yeah, because I have seen the richness of, of God in his people. Um, I've gotten to see the way that people have cared for one another, for their community, been cared for myself. I've gotten to see God's character. I have, I have grown in my knowledge because of the people who are willing to push me. I am so thankful for the body of Christ. You know, I, I get the pleasure of serving communion at church. Um, and I get to look out over our auditorium, over our, our body. And so often I'm overwhelmed by, by the, the burdens and the weights and the joys and the celebrations mm-hmm. of those around us. And like how often I'm like, I'm moved to tears just by looking at our church. And I just pray for each of them. Like I try to as they come up and mm-hmm. just taking on their, their burdens and celebrating their, their joys. And I find so much joy in that, um, about being together and watching as God has knitted us together, um, to show Columbia, to show the regions, like, and the, the church as a whole, like large C church, big C church, like how we get to show God's facets to the world around us and how in a way we would never get to do that without mm-hmm. being the body. And I'm so thankful that we are not alone mm-hmm. in this walk. Um, I know I'm made for people. Um, and so it makes sense that, but like for real, like it just get overwhelmed. Like listening to these podcasts, I am so thankful for every single person who's gone before me in this and who will continue because those, these stories fill my heart and warm my, my heart every single time, like move to tears with each of them because of what God is at work. Like, that's just so cool. Um, I'm just really thankful for God's work in people and the way that we can be um, him to each other and to those who don't yet know him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just such a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of um, that. I, yeah, I just, it overwhelms me. I get excited about that. Um, so I'm glad that I get to know Jesus so that I can be a part of him uh, getting to, to love mm-hmm. others. I think you're going to love heaven. Yes, I know. I really <laughs> think you're going to enjoy heaven. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sarah, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I know you thought so much about this and, and it came out beautifully. Like really your story is beautiful and the lessons that you are learning and have learned, um, I think can speak to so many people, including myself. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Sarah's story. It is such a gift to grow up in a Christian home and starting a relationship with Jesus from an early age. It is evident, though, that no matter how long we have been walking with Jesus, that we must keep using the tools He has given us to walk faithfully with Him, His Word, prayer, and His people— to expose our dark places, bringing light and healing. 
the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 If you like this podcast, the easiest way to follow and not miss an episode is to subscribe. Listen to an encouraging story each week. Thank you for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.